This is Tiffany O'Donnell. On today's episode, we talk with one of the founders of Women Lead Change and my predecessor as CEO, Diane Ramsey, or the Diane, as I call her. She talks about the origins of the nearly 14-year-old organization and why it's more relevant today than ever in its history. She's also very candid about her personal leadership journey, including lessons she learned as the daughter of a single mother. Diane Ramsey in the hot seat on this week's Own It podcast. Welcome to the inaugural Own It podcast. I'm Tiffany O'Donnell, joined now by Women Lead Change co-founder and legend, the Diane Ramsey. Diane, welcome. Tiffany, thank you. It is so great to be here today. (laughs) How does that feel to still be called co-founder of this incredible organization? Humbling, but really good. Well, I want to talk about that uh, in our conversation today. I think it's really important for everybody who knows us now. Uh, nothing is overnight. I mean, this has been an evolution and a process, and it would be so interesting to hear from you uh, how it started, what was behind it, some of the challenges you faced as, as we all navigate new normals. Nothing is perfect. And right. this incredible organization that looks so shiny and new uh, we've got, we've got some, we've learned some lessons along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to start the conversation by letting our listeners know how we came to know each other, not because I want to hear myself talk about it, but because I feel like our relationship is so indicative of so many relationships that you've had over the years and the impact that you've had on so many people. I came to Diane as a reporter at a news station who really just wanted access to this incredible annual conference that they were hosting. Martha Stewart was one of the speakers and, you know, ever creative. I thought I'm going to call Diane Ramsey and see if she needs any media coverage that day. Well, lo and behold, she didn't need any media coverage. She had plenty of media coverage on her own and said, thanks, but no. Well, lucky for me, about a month out from the conference, the Diane Ramsey calls me. I don't know how she got my number, how she had my number, but uh, the stars were all aligned. She had my number. She said, hey, you called me a while back, and we actually need someone to moderate a conversation with Martha Stewart. She's one of our speakers, and she doesn't do keynotes. She'd like a conversation, and the person who was going to do it had another commitment and can't do it anymore. Are you available? And I laugh when I say, are you available? Because, you know, let me check my calendar for a nanosecond. Yes, I'm available. And that was really how I started a relationship with with Diane. It was a phone call. She kept me in her network as she does with so many people. Continued to work with Diane. Once they get their claws in you, they don't take them out. I was warned to that. And uh, fast forward to today, and here I am, an incredibly, I I say, unlikely CEO. And it's truly because Diane Ramsey was in my network and said a few words to me, including the words, I won't let you fail. And so five years in, we sit here today. I am in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and she is in Santa Fe, New Mexico, living her best life you know, when I call myself an unlikely CEO, I'd love to just 
drill down a little bit on what it was that you saw that you felt that would make me a good person for this spot? Well, those of us who were right there at the outset of IWLC had pretty high aspirations. We had a vision that we could be the leadership organization for women in the region. I mean, that was, that was our goal. And virtually all of us who were in the initial group that founded Women Lead Change were from the corporate sector. So we knew that we had to be at a level that would get us in the door to CEOs and to senior leadership people. And because of that, you know, we, we were very protective of our brand. I mean, I always used to say that, you know, even though we're an organization of one and a half people, we need to look like we're a Fortune 500 company. And so we started that, started out that way. And then, you know, we also had a persona. We wanted to have someone who can walk in the door. And, you know, I didn't have the same name recognition that you had with, you know, thousands of people across the state of Iowa and Illinois, but I knew a lot of corporate people. And um, I knew that I needed someone coming up who was going to be able to have the same credibility and walk in the door and have that immediate acceptance. And so we were very particular and thought over time, you know, even though you hadn't been in the corporate world before or, you know, you've been on boards and things and maybe hadn't done the whole leadership development work and, and had a team, but those are things that you can train people and having the presence and having um, the likability and the smarts and the ambition to go out and do things. Those to me were so critical. And over time, you know, working with you on the different projects, remember when we had Giada come in and we did our fundraiser there. And then the other things that we got you involved in, I, I was very comfortable knowing that A, initially you and I would make a great team. And then when I left, you'd be there and you'd have the wherewithal to, to continue to lead. Wow. You know, I, that's so interesting, just from a personal perspective, of course. But I, again, I'd like to think that yeah, I was unique and the only person in whom you saw something. But I know better. I know better. I know others who've, you know, been to the University of Diane, as I call it. And you have that unique ability to see something that you, you know, we've talked before. I certainly didn't even see that in myself. You know, it really took someone like you that I respected to say, no, really, trust me, we can, you can do this. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's been so consistent with you um, in, in all, in your whole network, in the, in the lives that you've touched in the people that you've brought up. When I think about you as a leader, I often say the word unselfish, um, very unselfish. You just really want to get things done and uh, any, any way you need to do it, the, anyone you need to call, how you need to collaborate. You just really 
have a goal. And it sounds like Women Lead Change benefited from that too. You know, you wanted to be the premier women's leadership organization. And by God, that's what, that's what you became. Well, you know, over time, I learned things because initially, as you're going up the career ladder, you think, oh, we're all competing. Well, to some extent we are. But after a while, you get to the point where you understand that it doesn't have to be about winners and losers. As a leader, how do you maximize the talent that you have? And how do you maximize the results that you can get? And I don't think that initially a lot of women had those opportunities. I think that younger women today have great opportunities because of some people who are older than I am who started cutting down the trees a little bit and fighting and getting in there. And so there are lots more opportunities. But what I found is when I first came out of business school, it was, you know, everyone for themselves. I mean, it was sort of, that's the way we were raised. You all went in there. We all tried to get the few spots that were there. You know, as I got further along in my career, we saw that women stalled out. And why did they stall out? Well, partially it's because we were following this male model and we needed to come up with a different way that was going to work for us. The, the people that I appreciated the most were those people who took me under their wing, who were honest with me when I wasn't doing things that they thought were right. When I exhibited some of the behaviors that women are known for, which is not speaking up for themselves, qualifying themselves, um, allowing other men to get the credit for their ideas. Things that happen over and over again, those were the experiences that I had. And so when the idea of women lead change and our, and initially just the Iowa Women's Leadership Conference came up, I thought, oh my God, here is an opportunity just for us, just for women. And it was put, you know, it was for women by women. So we were able to design it so that it could help us get together. And we built this sisterhood. And that's what I want to call it. Because when we first started out, it was this unbelievable camaraderie. And I think that the organization still has it today. But the women who were there from the outset were unselfish because they wanted to make a difference for other women. And they gave of themselves freely and totally. And um, I've made some of the best women friends I could have ever imagined. And people that when I was younger, I was sort of intimidated by, although I'm sure some people are surprised that I would say I was intimidated by anybody, but I really was. You know, I looked up at these people and went, oh my God. But these women became my friends, they became my colleagues. And over time, we created something that we had this unbelievable experience that was a once in a lifetime experience. You know, when I think about the the tagline, when I look at the old marketing materials, it's, you know, elevating the conversation. What was the goal early on? I mean, certainly developing our current and emerging leaders. How, how were you received with this idea? Well, you know, initially the conference 
was focused on senior level women. How do we create um, opportunities and really develop the skills for the women who should be moving into the highest levels in the organizations? So that's how it really, really happened. And it started to focus, get people to talk about that, talk about the fact that we had this leadership gap. There were not women senior levels in many organizations across the state. So that was sort of elevating when we talked about elevating the conversation. And it was going from just, you know, you and me to we were sharing it with the organizations and saying, you know, let's make an investment. Now, over time, what we did find out, and, you know, from my corporate experience, I knew this, is that organizations, when you get to a certain level, they'll invest in you because you're a proven resource. So they'll send you to Harvard or they'll send you to Wharton or Stanford or any of these development um, opportunities that are out there. But it's the, the high potentials, it's the emerging leaders, it's the mid-level managers who I used to say we've got two cents to invest in every single person. Well, that turned out to be the sweet spot for Women Lead Change and its predecessor, IWLC, because you know we were able to bring world-class talent, I'm not even saying national level or regional level, I'm saying world-class talent to our stages and to all of our events at a very affordable price. We really, you know, not only were we meeting the need for the individuals, and I always say, you know, that's our tactical piece that we do because I want to be better myself, but we were also fit, filling out this incredible need for organizations to invest in their talent. And, you know, I would go out and talk to people and say, you know, why do you want to leave money on the table? If you are not investing in your women, as well as your men, you're leaving money on the table. And time after time after time, and Tiffany, I know you hear the same thing. Senior leaders and often men will say to you, you know, we sent some of our women to the conference and oh my gosh, I cannot believe the energy, the enthusiasm, the engagement from those individuals coming back. You know, not only were they thankful um, for being selected. They were proud to represent their company. They were flattered that the organization thought enough to send them. And then furthermore, they wanted to do more on behalf of the company. And so, you know, one of our favorite CEOs said, God, I wish I would have had a project to give them right away because they would have knocked it. And so those were, you know, some of the things that happened. So our first thing was about talking about elevating the conversation was talking about the talent. Don't fritter away that opportunity to invest in your talent. The second thing that we started to do is, or I, I created the CEO forum. And the whole reason for that was to get the senior level male leaders to see a thousand women 
who were committed to their own professional development. And it wasn't fluff. I use, as you know, I would go into a meeting and say, there's no fluff here. When some of those gentlemen left the CEO forum and then had to walk in a conference center past a thousand women who were dressed up for business because they were serious about their own development and their careers, it started to make a big difference. And that's when we started to get at the strategic level because they understood that this was all about talent. It was about talent, it was about achieving their goals, it was about the bottom line, and we started to see things turn. We started to see that more organizations were engaged, they were investing more in us, and all in all, we started to see our trajectory go like this. It was, it was phenomenal. Now, we know we have a really strong um, and loyal following of support with the companies who get us, who are on the bus, as we say. Right. I'm sure there were people who weren't. Do you have any, any stories of, of companies or CEOs who were, you know, just kind of pat, patted you on the head and said, move along? Oh, absolutely. Here's where we were lucky, though, is that organizations that are perceived to be significant leaders across the state of Iowa were at the table. And they strategically would reach out for us. Um, when, when we decided to make the move into Des Moines, because originally, you know, we were in Eastern Iowa, and even though Iowa's a small state, that highway is pretty long and wide. Mm -hmm. And um, I would go down to Des Moines and people would say, well, that's a Cedar Rapids, Iowa City Conference. If you have something in Des Moines, maybe I'll send my people. Larry Zimmerman at the time was the chairman and CEO at Principal Financial. And he got us in front of the Des Moines partnership. That made a huge difference. Got the door open with a lot of organizations. So, so for those organizations that kind of like said, oh, here, poo-poo, go away. Um, we had others that were staunch advocates. I'm glad you used the word strategic because uh, you, you are one of the most strategic uh, humans I've ever met. And it was when I talk about one of the courses um, of the University of Diane, that was one of them. You're, you're very, you were very strategic in, in who you aligned with, who the organization aligned with. You had an advisory council. Uh, and I think we're hearing now why that was so important, especially as a new organization, to have that endorsement of those leaders. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's interesting when we first, when I first got started, I also did an assessment, kind of an, a competitive analysis of other organizations around the state that said that they were about women and women leaders and what they did. And that was helpful too, because it also gave me a sense of what other organizations were doing. It gave us an opportunity to collaborate, to differentiate ourselves, um, sometimes to understand who would be our partners and who might view us as their competitors. And that was at times challenging as well. But it was also a way to Pull, bring people together too and tell them, you know, there's, there are plenty of seats at the table there. This is supporting women 
and girls has a lot of dimensions. We chose just the leadership circle and we weren't going to move in their lane. We could support them. We wouldn't. And so that was another thing that we did. We wanted to make sure that we had the tent open and as many people as wanted to be in there could be as well. And, and that is a model that we embrace today. An example is going into uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We found it was very important to, first of all, assess who was there. Yes. Uh, formally, I'm sure, than you did you know, back in the beginning. It was important for us, though, to know who was there. And we did have one organization that was um, we knew was more social services aligned than what right. we but they didn't know that. So um, I had a conversation with their CEO and then sent a, an open letter to their board before we did anything there. And again, right. that's lessons that we learned from the beginning, how important that is to have that, you know, and now they, they're great collaborators with us, but it was really important that we, that we do that and show that, you know, we're going to add to what's here, add benefit, but that's, that still goes on today. And, you know, we know, we don't want to be anywhere where we're not needed. First of all, if they're, if our, if these needs are being met at the end of the day, if we share the same mission, still who we are, I mean, things that are still with the organization from that foundation, I would say that was one of them. Um, I would also say that that spirit of collaboration is absolutely one of them. The no fluff. I mean, I hear, I have the Diane voice in my head. There are no fashion shows. There's no fluff you know, at these events, we are, you know, sit down, shut up and, and be developed. Be right. De- Even though, you know, we, as I used to say, you get a table of women together and you have a social event. So, so we do have that. I mean, you have, and you have to, you know, with the cocktail receptions or whatever. And part of the reason we are doing what without the fluff is that the organizations, so many of the organizations are picking up the tab. And so that was one way that we differentiated ourselves from some of the other organizations across the state is that we were very aware that the companies were paying and we wanted to make sure that they got a return on their investment. And that helped us. I mean, I am absolutely convinced that that was fundamental to our financial success. That if the organizations had thought, that this was just sort of, you know, get together and yuck it up and, you know, maybe get motivated by somebody, but it didn't, they couldn't translate it back to work that we would not have grown the way we did. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and when you, when you talk like that, I do hear corporate Diane in there and I want to go back a little, I want to go back a ways about you and your professional journey, because this nonprofit thing was just, I mean, kind of a footnote to an incredible career in the corporate world and business school. And um, I even want to go back, Diane, I think you had an interesting childhood. You know, I think a lot of who you are, that grit and resilience and strength and independence, it's not like you suddenly became that way. No. And actually, it's true. I, I tell people that when I was younger, I could have been a Four Oaks kid, a kid who grew up in the system because I had a, my mom was, I call her a child's bride and uh, a dad who walked out on the family. That certainly impacted me. And when I looked at my mom and, and um, what she went through, and she's a very, inspired me to this day, 
um, it became very obvious to me that women need choices and that in order to do that, you need an education, you need to have confidence in yourself, you need to have skills, and you also need to have a support system around you and others who believe in you. And then personal experiences throughout my career and, and my life, but it also caused me to believe that we have to help other women. You know, that's all there is to it. And then when you get into the corporate environment, um, I did have a couple of women who were advocates for me and who did help me in the corporate world. And that made a big difference. And um, observing them and seeing what they would do for others and how they would help mentor them along and provide them opportunities and coach them about what they were doing right and where they needed to improve was really helpful. And also giving them the opportunities and giving me opportunities. And so I know that that definitely had an impact on me. Were you always so confident? Oh no, oh no, never. I, 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 it's, it's interesting. I, I think my confidence grew when I got into my 40s and into my 50s. I was not always confident. Um, you know, I am an extrovert by nature, so that's good. And so you can bluff it a little bit, but I used to get what I would call the red hives going up the neck. That's a surefire sign that, you know, maybe you're just not that comfortable and you're feeling maybe a little on your own, but I, um, over time I overcame it. And, um, and, you know, by the time I got to women lead, I women lead change, it was like, well, what's the worst thing they'll say to me? No. Okay. Let's go down the street to the next, next door, you know? And I would double dog dare them to say no. And we know what'll happen when they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> back. She'll be back. Yes. Uh, were there any, um, you know, what, what, what about you would surprise people? Is there anything about you that we might, you know, the whole, the idea that you weren't always so confident, I think. Is well, you know, I, I let my inner voice sometimes allow me to cycle down. And just like anyone else, I'm my own worst critic. Our friend Cy Wakeman says, what do we know for sure? You know, I give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt, but when it comes to myself, I always jump to the negative conclusion like, well, I knew this wasn't good enough or, oh, I'm assuming that. So I think that would, might surprise people, but I do. You know, I, I always try to be positive about other people, but I'm, I don't always give myself the benefit of the doubt. That's so interesting because I, I see just, I've been the benefactor of just the opposite. And maybe it's because you are that way that you see that in other people and, and can support others who feel that way. Well, you know, I've had, it's interesting because every once in a while I've had people who have gone out of their way to really be kind to me or to help me. So say when my husband and I moved from Chicago to Iowa, the Dean of the Business School sent out letters and my resume to all these employers. And 
I was able to get a job and move out to Iowa before I ever thought I would because I got hired so quickly. Well, things like that happened. And so over time, I just made it kind of my philosophy that if someone asked for my help, if they valued my opinion enough, I was going to figure out a way to make time to help them. I learned a long time ago, and I think it's from my mother and others, that all of us have value and everyone's to be respected. And so in any organization I go, to, go into, I try to be respectful of everyone. Now, does that mean that when I was younger in my career and I was so focused that there weren't times that I was just a big pain in the butt to work for or whatever and challenging? Absolutely. But I also wanted to get to know people as people and to know about their families and their lives and what was important to them so that, you know, that's all part of it so that people feel like they're respected. I was in a meeting not too long ago and someone else on this board that I'm on called all the staff in the organization, the workers. And I don't ever want to feel like people are workers. I want them to be colleagues and friends. So as I got older, when anyone would ask me to meet with them, I would. You know, I, even when I was traveling all over, I would I'd just say, well, I may not be able to get together with you in the next couple of weeks, but how does, you know, the 30th of May or June 15th or whatever work? And that came back many times. And so you start building your network that way. You meet a lot of talented people. I met a lot of young people who had skills and ideas, and I learned things from them. It was just, it was really great. And I also think that I had a lot of empathy because, you know, I've had some things in my life that weren't great. You know, I think life is an active sport. You need to come at it. You need to be fully engaged, come up to bat many times, and sometimes you swing and you miss, sometimes you're out. But every time you do it, you're all, you also have an opportunity to open up something that's going to be fantastic and wonderful. And that's kind of how I approach life. And, um, and so along the way, I had some big misses and I've had some big hits. And, uh, and sometimes I like to share those with people. And, and I love to have the interaction of people who are younger than me and what they've ex they experience and older people. And it's just fun. What is, what is one of your superpowers? Obviously I am persistent. <laughs> I am persistent. You are that. But you know, nevertheless, she persisted. That's right. And I have a t-shirt that says that, and I wear it when I go walking with my dog. Well, first of all, I do feel that I w I've been so lucky over the years to be very passionate about the organizations I was engaged in, that I worked for. You know, obviously, being a part of IWLC was so wonderful. When you think about it, to be there today for, you know, the women who are here today, but also thinking that maybe you're making a difference for your daughter and your granddaughters. That's pretty heady, heady stuff. So, you know, to be passionate about that, that's really, that's really great. And somehow, you know, I was able to take my corporate experience, some of the research and things that were happening and say, oh, why can't we do that? Maybe this is the next thing. Why don't we do it? 
So I think that was one of the things that I've been able to do and visualize it and then get people to join me. We had a lot of people who would get on our raft, you know, and we didn't sink it. So obviously, you know, part of it is, is you're, you're saying, hey, I've got some swampland that I'm selling you. Do you want to come with me? And they did. And so I think part of it is, you know, it's that passion, it's the energy, willingness to roll up your shirt sleeves. Hey, we're all in this together to thank people, but also to say, we're doing something for the, the good of all of us. I'm not going to stop until we achieve it. And so it was, you know, it was the persistence too. So it kind of combined. I think persistence, if I had to pick one too, I just think you're authenticity and candor, which can be, (laughs) you know, we can talk about it being a filter, but at the end of the day, it's authenticity and candor. As you just spoke there, it comes from a place of passion and love and support. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I always, here's how I live my life. Uh, And this sounds weird, but I would, at the, the day that I die, I would hope that my family and friends would say, that she is an honest person who we could trust and we knew was looking out for all of us. Not neglecting myself, I mean, but, but looking out for them. And I would hope that they would say that about me. And if they said that, I'd be a happy person. Well, job well done then, Diane. <laughs> that box, check all of that. Okay, one last question on the inaugural Own It podcast. How do you own it? How do you own your superpower? Well, you know, here's the thing. When you said to me, were you ever nervous and did you lack confidence? I did, but I've gotten to the point where, you know, I am really comfortable with who I am. And so I realize sometimes I'm noisy. I can be obnoxious. I do say things that surprise people at times. I think that there are times when people are surprised what comes out of my mouth, but I own it and that's who I am and, I, and I'm not apologetic. If you've got me on your side, you got someone who's going to be there working her heart out and you can count on me. All day long. Diane Ramsey, it was so good, so good to talk to you in this new platform for Women Lead Change. Just yet one more, one more way we're accessible that who would have thought in 2000? Who would have thought, yeah. And the Miss Tiffany, who can carry it out and make sure that it's fantastic. Well, thank you. Depending on the day, a good interview subject helps. So thank you so much for your time, Diane, from your home in Santa Fe for being our very first guest on the very first Own It podcast. I don't know about you, but it's always comforting to know others have been where you are. When Diane talked about her neck getting red with visible nerves and a lack of confidence at times, could this really happen to be Diane? Absolutely. And yet look at where she is today. What is it in you that hasn't always been there, but is today? Share with one person how you own it. At Women Lead Change, we are constantly evolving to keep up with you. Consider joining us for some incredible development opportunities, either in person or virtually. 
Conference registration is open for our Dubuque, Quad Cities, and Des Moines events. Speakers include Carla Harris, Kinder Hall, Cy Wakeman, Caroline Criado-Perez, Elizabeth Gilbert, and many more. Looking for a quick hit of inspiration? Check out the Women Connect workshops. Topics covered include gender bilingual communication and imposter syndrome. Tickets and information on this and much more at wlcglobal.org.